Hi, I'm Jason, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by the sentient supercomputer and my co-host, Rob. Hello, Jason. Yeah, that's terrifying. Welcome to Rewind <laughs> and Review, the retrospective podcast where we have a look at the existing at existing property from the past. It's like I've never read this before. Delve into its legacy, <laughs> discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? That's right. Now, this episode of Rewind and Review, we'll look at the epic science fiction film, which is now widely regarded as being one of the greatest and most influential films ever made. Um, and it turns the ripe old age of 55 this year in 2023. So deactivate your suspended animation as we rewind to the year 1968. Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Go back to then. When? Now. 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 Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. There's definitely a very slim chance we'll survive. Prior to 1968, director Stanley Kubrick had only directed seven feature-length films. His eighth film is what we are covering today, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Written by Kubrick um, and science fiction author Arthur C. Clarke, 2001, A Space Odyssey was inspired by Clarke's 1951 short story, The Sentinel, um, among other things. An imposing black structure provides a connection between the past and the future when Dr. Dave Bowman, played by Kia Dulia, and other astronauts are sent on a mysterious mission. Their ship's computer system, HAL, begins to display increasingly strange behaviour. This leads up uh, to a tense showdown between man and machine that results in a mind-melting um, trek through space and time. Be warned that if you haven't seen 2001 A Space Odyssey yet, but you want to, go watch it first before listening to this episode. We will be talking spoilers. We certainly will be. Now, yes. Mr. Rob, my computer friend. Um, mm-hmm. Was this your first viewing? Let's just ask that question right now. Was this your first viewing? Yes, it was, Jason. Oh, Jesus. Okay, no more computer voice. <laughs> no, it's so good. Um, yeah, no, it was, right. it was It was actually my first viewing. I, oh, no, okay, that's a lie. I had seen the Dawn of Man, like, um, intro, prologue element. I'd oh, seen right, that before, okay, yep. but not, for some reason, I didn't, I missed the monolith when I saw it. All I remember is the monkeys, and then they kill another monkey with a bone. That's all I remembered from when I was young. So I mean, that's where so, I suggested it. That sums that up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but uh, this was. I mean, this this has been one of those. This is on everybody's list. You know, you know how everyone says you got to go watch two thousand one Space Odyssey. You got to go watch. Um, you know, like, yeah, like Casablanca, those, all of that stuff. You know, yeah, Citizen Kane. Films to watch. Yeah, yeah. This is on that. I mean, are we going to talk about that? Obviously, but this has always been one where I've gone. 
I'll do it again. I'll do it eventually. Do it eventually. And um, so I'm very glad that we did. I'm very glad that we're talking about it because, uh, you know, without giving too much away, um, it was uh, it was quite an experience. That's for sure. So, how many times experience. experience yeah absolutely how many times yeah. i watched this how many yeah. times let me tell you how many times <laughs> once um so, oh, really <laughs> yeah this was this is my first but like you i think and not just the opening scene but i think um just different sequences um mm. or little and whether it's but whether it's my memory playing games, was it actually watching bits of this movie or was mm. it watching one of the many parody versions of, yeah. like, especially the, the, I mean, not necessarily just the, with like, with the, with the monkeys and stuff, the apes, mm. but like, you know, like with the, with the orchestra and the, yeah, you know, you know that whole space sequence. And then, you know, bits of it. I mean, mm. I'm pretty sure this whole movie has been, in some way teleplayed through the Simpsons in some way, like <laughs> Treehouse of Horror or just, you know, the Simpsons yeah. movie. Like there's been different sequences where all, all mm. of I mean, even recently, um, you know, not to give too much away here, but I, I think it was in promotional material. So I, I think it's safe to say it, but the Barbie movie, mm. literally there, I won't tell you where it is because that might be the spoiler, but in the movie yeah, somewhere okay. there is a, there is a sequence where it essentially is this opening scene. It's yeah. condensed. I was going to say, and it's it's fun. like this movie in pop culture. I mean, mm. with this extensive thing has been such a thing. So I feel like my experience with this movie is through the eyes of pop culture, and yeah. not necessarily actually watching this movie. However, I have now watched it, and it's funny. Like Kubrick, like an amazing, you know, director. Very limited number of films that he actually put out. Yeah, I picked up a whole bunch of Blu-rays of his of his films. The wife and I, you know, we went through them, but for some reason, mm. we had just never got around to 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, um, and then when she found out that, that I had watched it without her, and I was doing this yeah. this podcast or Robcast, as I'm now calling them, <laughs> I'm going to stick to that. Um, uh, it, she was a little bit annoyed. She was like, "Ah, oh, you watched a Kubrick movie?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Oh, and then gosh. I said to her, "I was like." You probably won't like it, but that's not my thoughts. That's just uh, what so I was anyway. So that's I, <laughs> I have to say, I felt guilty for watching this because I truly think that there's va- there'll be value in this, and I should have been watching it with with Laura, the wife. But I, so I'm gonna I'm Watch gonna be again? watching it again. I'm gonna be watching <laughs> it again because I think it's an experience worth seeing once, and it will cover it. It will we'll cover it when we do our rating, of course. How about we talk? I mean, you're hosting this one, Jason. But if if, if it's all right, shall we talk about the legacy of this film? You can push us along. You can push us along. Absolutely. Right. Let me uh-huh. let me kick us off. That's very good. Let me kick us off. Yeah, yeah us go on. Okay. Go on. All right. The budget. Uh, budget. Um, ten point five million dollars. But you have to remember, nineteen sixty eight or whatever year. Yeah. I said this movie came out in. Um, so it's that kind of money. Brought on a box office twenty one point nine million. Now that was worldwide and from its original nineteen sixty eight sixty eight release. Yeah, that confirms it. Mm-hmm. But a whole bunch of re releases throughout the years, fifty five yeah. years to be exact, one hundred and forty six million. It's ended up pulling. Yeah, box okay. office wise. So not not home release, not theatrical, no, like not home release, doing you know, Blu rays, DVDs, and stuff, mm. but actual theatrical runs, one hundred forty six million, which is fantastic. I mean, it's great. It's great when you talk about how much money, you know, was invested in it. I would have thought, though, that would have made a little bit more over 
like I just feel like that's a movie that has been re-released on every 10-year anniversary kind of thing. I would have thought that maybe there was a bit more money there, but but then also the I guess we're going to talk about it through here as well. Like this movie does have a reputation where it's got more of like a cult following now, not not necessarily it's not necessarily everybody's kind of It's not the team. everyman's movie, is it? It, is, it yeah. certainly isn't. It's yeah. And I suppose when you when you talk like re-releases, if someone's going to go out of their way to go pay, you know, mm. top dollar to, to watch this on a big screen in a theater in a cinema, mm. you know, like the, the movie is out on, you know, like home. Well, eventually it was out on home video. You know, like it was easily some streaming services. Yeah. Well, nowadays, yeah, like you know, it's yeah. it's on, it's on it's on a free stream. Like here we have our SBS, um, mm. you know, app. You watch it on that free yeah commercial yeah. television Woo. yeah well there you go um, i didn't know that but i watched it on binge actually um there oh, you go paid subscriptions yeah yeah i can um if binge feels like you know i'm shouting me a, a subscription as well i'll take that by the way i don't mind not paying Same, for that me too, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway um the career the critical rating okay so it's original release it was polarizing um got lots of praise but also um you know the critics were a bit divided as well um people were walking out of screenings which was a bit of when i read that i was a bit surprised by that because you know it's a kubrick um i would have was a bit surprised by that attitude um some people and this completely makes sense when we talk about the 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 third act um people were going to watch <laughs> the viewings high which i was you know what? Assume would be a very interesting experience very, very interesting. Hey, well, it was yeah. the uh, you know it was the height of the sixties and going in the seventies. But look, I, I not even just that third act sequence, but I mean, mm. a lot of this movie is like it's an experience. It's operatic. It's it's oh a lot yeah, of it is. It certainly is moving parts to it. But I mean, um, you know, you say you're surprised that people were walking on a screen. I'm not really that surprised. It is, you know, like I said, it's not the movie for for the everyman it's mm. you're sitting there there's a lot of long drawn out sequences and scenes where not i say not much point. is happening but i mean like in terms of there's plenty happening movie story did it there's plenty happening there's lots, so mm. many visual things especially in the craft of how it's all put together absolutely but i mean i mean i'm watching this and there's not really a lot of dialogue at all for about 40 minutes <laughs> well i think i think i um i timed it it was um i did have it here some somewhere along the lines it was um i think it was 21 minutes before the first 21 minutes 53 seconds before the first before word the is uttered yeah wow so, there you um, go. so and mean, then yeah, beyond it's, that yeah it's, it's, it's not exactly a dialogue heavy movie no certainly is not um well, so I mean, cr critic critic stuff though so rotten tomatoes currently um has a percentage of 92 percent which is based on 118 reviews which has got an average rating of 9.2 out of 10. metacritic give it 84 out of 100 based on 25 reviews but mr roger ebert four out of four you know like oh, so that, that to yeah, me no, says, like... when we say you know there was um it, it, it polarized critics to me, that doesn't appear to be a polarizing, you know, uh, perspective. Well, we, but, when we talk the polarizing, we're talking initially when it when it's come out. Of course, of course. And as we said at the top there, you know, like this movie is now highly regarded as potentially mm. one of the greatest films 
ever made, or you know, or one of the greatest sci-fi films, to be more specific. About that's a good point. Well, Rotten look, Tomato were... wasn't really around in the uh, the fifties and the sixties, was well, it? Well, that's no. it. So a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, reviews and stuff that we're referring to now are modern takes and looking through yeah. more, you know, a twenty first century lens and all that kind of stuff. But look, mm. awards. Um, Academy Awards it yeah. was nominated for Best Director, Best Story and Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Special Visual Effects, and it did win Best Special Visual Effects. The British yeah. Academy Film Awards, it was nominated for five. It won three of them. It won Best Foreign Film at both the Cinema Writers Circle and the David de Donatello Awards, mm-hmm. and it won Best Dramatic Presentation at the Hugo Awards. Um, th- there's a whole bunch of other more. nominations Plus and more. wins, but yeah. we cannot play many more. Um, I will just dive into, I'll dive into this one. Now, I had no idea when, when I was prepping this Mm -hmm. and I got to the franchise part and I literally was so cocky. I was like, not applicable. I was like, NA, there's no (laughs) franchise here. It's just one and done. And then actually read into it and I was like, holy shit, that movie. Um, Look, Mm. Kubrick never envisioned sequels even ensuring that all sets and props were destroyed. He actually went out of his way to be like, no, I'm tearing yeah. this shit down. You mm-hmm. guys cannot continue this, you sons of bitches. Now, yeah. Clark wrote three sequel novels. 2010, Odyssey 2 in 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2061, Odyssey 3 in 1987. Yeah. Um, and 3001, The Final Odyssey in 1997. Now, the only filmed sequel was 2010 with the title 2010 the year we make contact now i know of this movie i haven't watched it but my stepdad had a had a copy of it like he like he had it it was always there Mm -hmm. i never knew they were related so that blows my mind uh this was released in 1984 (laughs) and was based on clark's 1982 novel of course kubrick was not involved it was directed as a spin-off by Peter Hyman or Hyams in a more mm. conventional style. So it's apparently it's more of a movie. Now, if I yeah. was a more um, committed person to everything we do here, I would have mm-hmm. gone out of my way and found time to watch this for the full context of things. Yeah. I'm planning on it. I'm interested. It actually legitimately blew my mind that this is mm. essentially the sequel to this movie. Like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> I... I I was aware that there was a sequel before I watched this movie. Um, I didn't Why realize. Didn't you tell me? No, no, well, I didn't. I haven't seen it. I haven't <laughs> seen it. But I also uh, I I didn't actually realize before watching this and before looking into it that this was originally based on um, uh, an Arthur C. Clarke novel and that there was multiple novels. I didn't know that. I was aware that there was a sequel, but I thought it were, at that time it was more like a a cash in crack from the you know from a studio oh I didn't right actually realize it was a, a it was pursuing the source material um so, so that, that kind of gives it a little bit more that, like validity yeah. right yeah um at least the, from the source material now the um do you, the we probably don't really need to talk to to it much here um and we might touch on it a little bit later but you know the uh the differences between like the um the novels and the movie and things like that the um one thing I'll just point out that I'm aware of, but I'm, I'm not that familiar with these, um, is that the, in the novels, the um, the monoliths are actually more along the lines of like aliens. They're actual beings. There's actually interactions that happen. Right. Um, but it was actually a Kubrick decision to to they, they even shot aliens. They even tried, but they just couldn't do it in a way that was 
sending the same message that they wanted to, uh, to, 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 I guess, communicate, which like I said, we'll talk a bit later, but it is interesting. Yeah. So when you talk about the, the next one, the year we make contact in the context of those novels, they actually are, there are beings that feature in the, in that first, first novel as well. Um, which I just thought was interesting. And I'm saying that without knowing the context of those novels, cause I haven't read them. Um, do I mean to, <laughs> I mean, actually, it might not be that. It could be quite interesting to read. But anyway, anyway, right now I'm working on um, Wheel of Time. I'll just get through those 14 books first and then we'll go from there. Uh, <laughs> video game. On the first one? <laughs> What's that? Number, number uh, six, actually. Um, so uh, anyway, video games, not applicable for this one. Um, but cultural impact, oh, oh God. <laughs> like, where do you begin with it? So... It was listed as a number one science fiction film on AFI's um, t- uh, 10 top 10. Is that the right terminology, Jason? 10 top 10? That is correct, yes. AFI. 10 top 10. I don't think I've They had 10 different before. categories of top 10, and this yeah, okay. was the science fiction category. There you go. I don't know what year that was. Um, in 1991, it was deemed uh, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the United States uh, Library of Congress. Uh, and it was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. Uh, in 2010, The Guardian named it the best sci-fi and fantasy film of all time, uh, and the Moving Arts Film Journal named it the greatest film of all time. It's a big call. It's a big call. Um, <laughs> the greatest film. <laughs> so it was ranked at, um, fourth in BBC's uh, 2015 list of the 100 greatest American films. Um, American, American, yeah, Americans. All right. Well, the everything. the influence of the film on subsequent filmmakers and special effects technicians is considerable. We've mm-hmm. got Steven Spielberg who calls it his generation's Big Bang. George Lucas calls Kubrick the filmmaker's filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, Martin Scorsese has listed it as one of his favorite films of all time. Ridley Scott said he believed 2001 was the unbeatable film that, in a sense, killed the science fiction genre. Oh. Wow. So what changed it? It changed things. It's like oh, you could do yeah. real space now. It's crazy. Um, others credit 2001 with opening up a market for films such as Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Alien, mm. Blade Runner, Contact, and Insta- Interstellar, proving that big-budget, serious science fiction films can be commercially successful and mm-hmm. establishing the sci-fi blockbuster as a Hollywood staple. There you go. Um, you know, like the the things that Kubrick put into this movie, right? Like, mm. you know, pre- essentially taking us into space. In a, yeah. I mean, th- this movie does delve into real wacky kind of crazy shit. <laughs> but essentially when we're just, you know, like when we're just looking at just the space activity, like mm. it's so incredibly realistic, especially for yeah. this the time i'm like i'm watching it's like wow this is this is actually filmed on a space station i mean no wonder there were all there's always you know there's been those rumors tinfoil hat you know conspiracies that Uh, the moon landing was yeah you know filmed you know orchestrated by kubrick like you know like the american Mm. government brought him on board to do it's like he would have been the guy to do it but look since um since its premiere 2001 a space odyssey has been analyzed and interpreted by professional critics and theorists 
amateur writers and science fiction fans, um, us, um, <laughs> this has led to, we're putting in the, the weakest attempt though, to analyze this. This has led mm. to countless essays, articles, novels, documentary, yeah. uh, documentaries, don't know why I'm saying words weird today, and interviews to address such discussion. The main discussions surround the message of the film, the meaning of the monolith, the ending and symbolism of baby star child the reason mm. for how's breakdown and the true identity of the orbiting satellites seen after the prologue yeah so much in this movie to unpack there's so much that we potentially could discuss um mm -hmm. you know we're not on the level of scholars you know high-end writers professional critics we're just two guys talking shop we what are this really like but we'll do it we'll do our best we will do. We will do, we'll do our best. So, um, so bear with us. But uh, yeah, well, let's let's look into it. But so, the, I mean, it is just broken into. Well, I mean, I wouldn't really say it's not really it's not really the traditional kind of you know three act process really with this. It's no, kind I of think more, it's, it's chapters really, isn't it? Chapters. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you. And gotta, I think you, that was the. Yeah. In, in my notes, like, uh, you know, we always break down, hey, what are we going to talk about in terms of mm. when we're, you know, breaking apart the movie and, and, and all that? Essentially, I've just gone, hey, screw it. Let's just divide this this discussion up into the four quadrants of this film and we'll yep. talk through each part, the, the characters or lack thereof characters that appear in the sequence and I guess mm -hmm. what we sort of interpret, um, you know, from it. So... Here are the four quadrants, like the Dawn of Man, Mission to the Moon, the Jupiter mission, and yep. Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite. So if we start with Dawn of Man, as we said, that's like the sequence with the with the, the apes, the monkeys, what have you. Yep. And, you know, we're, I mean, what's the, I'm still trying to work out what's the best way to break this down. Because, I mean, what I want to say is basically mm. my whole analysis of this movie, which is... Yep. This movie goes through four different progressions of evolution, which we have, yes. you know, like, like the monkeys, the apes, mm -hmm. turn into man, right? Mm -hmm. So then you, you've, you've got your time with man. Man then becomes the spaceman. You know, they mm -hmm. go into space. They become that embodiment. And then they sort of evolve beyond that into something more. And I guess I'll leave that at that until we get to the... Well, I, I look at it slightly. Well, okay. So to, to finish it on that with that evolution, I, I look at it. I look at the third evolution element to be how. So you've got the dawn of man element where you've got monkeys turning to men and you've got the mission to the moon, uh, which is to that is them understanding that there is a greater life and then that's the evolution of men to reach further. Then you get the Jupiter mission, and that is the evolution of technology. And then you've got the Jupiter and beyond that element is, yeah, I guess that star child element where, so you've got each, each of them, you, the, the monolith of the aliens or however we want to label them, they're the catalyst for a massive change in, in consciousness is i guess that's right. how i'd be looking at it and that's a very deep way we, we are not qualified or educated enough to actually comment <laughs> too mean, much on that so the best but, thing to do is i'm going to reference something that i've that i read or like sort of a theory and i, and I mm. like it it's like the monolith is because in, in the first sequence the dawn of man 
Yeah. The thing that first triggers the look, are they monkeys or apes? I think they're apes. I want to call them apes. I feel like that's well, no, they're they're, hom- they're hominids. They're hominids, but they like yeah. So they they're early early men. They're four four million year, years ago. So they were pretty sure, much sure. just apes. All right, let's just call them monkeys because again, we're not doctors, so it's fine. Um, so <laughs> you've got the monkeys, and they're just kind of chilling, not doing much. Yeah. It's not until they see the monolith and they go, yeah. and it's you know that whole thing um mm. and then they you know they discover tools they it's like we can use these bones as a tool and then they start smashing things up and they mm-hmm. they fight off that rival mm. sort of group or whatever like whatever beef they've got going on yep. so uh, one of the one of the things i came across was that the monolith was described as a being that had completely reached like like the ultimate form of just pure energy in the form mm. of, a, of solid mass, right? So it's like you said, like in the book, if the interpretations are or like there's an alien, or if it's a little bit more literal, like it's an alien being, it's sort mm. of like that's potentially still present here. Yeah. So it's the form of this solid thing that has reached its peak evolution. And what it's doing is mm. traveling to different planets or civilizations to help them move along the evolutionary mm. chain. So it appears at key points during each of these four yeah. sort of quadrants or chapters and basically it's offering some sort of influence or but we obviously can't see that yeah like we don't hear dialogue we don't experience and, it but the monolith shows up and then something happens that pushes mm. man along so later on when we yeah. see it in the mission to the moon it's like it pushes man to go further deep into space yeah which then leads them to so on and so forth but i like your interpretation with like obviously bringing in the computer element as well and that's the whole digital well, evolution like a catalyst yeah well i was reading i've read it somewhere else i guess is that um and a, it's an interpretation that i agree with in a way is that it is it's a catalyst for that evolution or that that um what's the word enlightenment so you've got monkeys but then as soon as they as soon as the, the monolith appears and oh, I have to just—I have to say—it's such a magical moment when you have those, like the choir voices that are just eerie, and then they start to build in intensity, and then, and you still haven't seen the monolith. You still don't even know what they look. The monkey's looking at, and it just gets worse and worse, and then all of a sudden, there's a monolith there, and then they're all worshiping it. You're just like, what is but, it? <laughs> but they, um, but that catalyst, you know, yeah. So what, what we said, they they start using tools, which is are bones. And then they start, you know, they have the first murder. They, they still they kill the first monkey kind of thing. But not only that, they show that they're before that that process. They're grazing, and there's like capybaras or whatever the big whatever the animals are right next to them, and they they're in harmony together. And then when the monolith comes here, they they use tools, but they also kill these almost tame animals that are right next to them that are grazing with them. You know. And it was just like a catalyst for the world changing as well. But there's like when they kill those animals and they're eating them, that's protein. And that's what actually made humans brains bigger and us more intelligent was actually. Yeah. It's it's quite. So is it also a little bit of both? It's like, Mm. it's like it pushes them to evolve, but it's also, it's creating the conflict, the war, the violence, if anything, the downfall of any sort of civilization because all those could be or it's creating more barriers to overcome more barriers to overcome and the tools to overcome that as well um it's it's just all very interesting but that that entire opening sequence like 
even now looking back on it as well, like the, the monkey suits and stuff, like the expressions of the, um, of the, uh, you know, the, I mean, it's not animatronics, but it'd be like a puppeteer element, like people in a suit, but with mechanical mouths and stuff. It's all but very the thing, cool. Like, they don't, they don't even look like, it doesn't look hokey. It doesn't look like, mm. oh, look, there's a, there's a guy in a suit. I mean, if anything, like Planet of the Apes, like the original, you know, Charlton Heston, Planet of the Apes, mm. it's like, it's done well, but it's it's very clear. Like, oh, yeah, look, you've you've got you've got man in mm. suit. There it is. Here it's like yeah, well, mm. it, it it works pretty fine. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, oh yeah, it's... there's there's something about this high end quality about this set. Like it mm. looks like a set, but it also looks like a really really well made set. That it's like mm. it's looking it's looking good, but it also has this weird yeah. like alien feel to it, which I think maybe is, mm. is the point. But again, it leads into that that boom opening of. You know, like where you, you've got the uh, the Sprack, I'm going to pronounce this so wrong, Zarathustra, you know, the yes. Philharmonic harmonic conduction thing. Yeah, yeah. We all know it. The, mm. da, 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 da. Like yeah, it's, that thing. I mean, in context, watching mm. this actually properly, it's mm. amazing. Oh, and it is. Then, you know, it throws mm. the bone and it turns into the... Mm like the the spinning satellite or spaceship or, or yeah 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 you got um oh, and then it leads into yeah. hey look here we are man and and mm. we're in space and we're we're doing things and mm. then you've got other sequences like and again here are some long call them poetic call them operatic call them whatever mm. they're these long and again things are we're in space you've got rotating mm. bits of machinery spacecraft mm. bits and pieces Mm. You know, bring in, you know, the blue Danube is playing and it's dan 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 and it's just. Oh, well, it's, like, it's, br- it's absolutely. I want to be high. I'm like, <laughs> give me a well, doobie. That, like, let's bring okay. this on. I hear. Or, or, or some kind of mushroom risotto, you know, like from, from the bush <laughs> or something. Um, but the, um, like, the, I, the, the music's used to such great effect here. Like, you know, with the Dawn of Man with that huge, that epic score, which I can't even remember how to say it, but exactly what you pointed out that we all know as a cliche now but then you know with the with the mission to the moon as the ship's docking and as you're kind of seeing you know the satellites and there's just different you're being introduced to this high-tech version of society um in the year 2001 (laughs) but it's like the dance (laughs) it's a waltz and it's a dance and it actually repeats the the motif a couple of times when whenever there's a ship docking, it's like it's dancing with the the docking pad as it's coming through, and you've got this beautiful regal waltz happening. Um, mm. And it's quite it's just it's a beautiful atmosphere. You're you're feeling wonder and you're feeling you know a respect for you know a I guess a you know a, a higher level of society. If that's a way of putting it, like that's the music. It's mu- the music is also higher end, you know. It, it's yeah. I don't know. It, it, one of the magic, one of the magical things that I experienced watching this, even and moving into the second chapter of it all, and then beyond, was that I was I had a I was feeling an appreciation for the effort that was going in to making this <laughs> so like, authentic. It was so authentic, it, but it was like... but it but it was poetic as well, and it it just felt magical. In a, and mysterious I mean, in, uh, in a weird way that I don't usually we don't usually get it. It's usually spoon fed to us. Whereas this, you had to really appreciate it and think about it as a, as you're 
and and you were thinking about what it was trying to tell you, you know. Well, that was me anyway. So, and I think we, you, you know, we have to remember as you're watching this, you know, like it's 1968 or mm. maybe 1966, 67 when you know this was being filmed and, and put together and stuff. Mm. No CGI, like this, everything you're seeing is there. It's in camera, just like. Like I mean, after the after like two hours pass, um, we're in that ship. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, um, but we're in that <laughs> ship. We finally get introduced to some human characters, um, some evolved human characters, uh, and there's just even even the setting inside, like mm. the white. Mm. You know, it, it could essentially be like on you know on a starship. You know, also watching oh. Star Wars. Yeah, like it's all white. It's very like you know, it's futuristic. But it's not crazy, you know. Like it's kind of still trendy. No. It feels kind of seventies, like like you know, like like mm. futuristic, met, like uh, retro. Yeah. And then you've got there's some some bits of the the craft where it's like, mm. you know, like because you're on like this the craft that we're on is like this big yeah. ring. Yeah. But then like the so you can see the, the floor, floor you can see it sloping up, and it was yeah. I, I wrote yeah. that down. I was just I was blown and away by some... that. It's like such a great detail, such an amazing yeah. detail. And then Same. there's some sequences where, like, you're with a particular character or something, and then suddenly the camera would rotate, and you'll realize mm. that that person's been walking on the roof, like, mm. because it's like an anti gravity thing, or the oh, they're the whole sequence shoes. where they're in group now. Uh, it's um, it's Floyd. So mm. William Sylvester plays Doctor Hayward Floyd. When we first meet him, and you know, he's sort of going to. Oh, well, I think what is it? Like he wakes up, and it, it sort of it looks like a, like an aircraft, like he's on a plane. Mm, yeah. Um. But then there's like the the flight attendant type person, mm. and, and you know she has to like activate her shoes so she can stick. Yeah. To the ground, and then there's the floating pen, and the again, it's amazing. It's all camera it's tricks. It's yeah. it's literally just like I, I think I read it like it's just like a string and something, but it's camera mm. tricks. It's just movie magic, yeah. and mm. it's just like it looked real. It looks. Crazy. It would have blown then, people away. It's... Just and, fun and little it, it, moments where he's just like trying to eat and he's sipping his different food and it's just like well, wow, that's the thing. Like land. it was a, it was an absolute. It was just the the amount of effort they put into making it authentic. Well, at least having a good stab at it. Like you know, you would have a big spaceship with a, a curved floor that would spin in order to give artificial gravity. You would have all fluids as your food, not just drink. Like your your in flight meal will be all straws because. In zero gravity, that's what you would need. Velcro shoes, so you could walk on the on the roof if you needed to. Like all all of just really magical things, and I just I was just impressed by how like how well they nailed it. You, even even as you're coming into the space station, there's like a customs check in. You know, like just like anywhere yeah. else, any airport you would go to, where you had like to it's scan taken, in the movie's and. Taken... It's taken like a realistic approach to things, but then obviously pushed it a bit further and be like, okay, mm. where are we going to be in terms of space travel in forty years? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, might have misjudged, misjudged it a little bit, yeah. but I mean, maybe add, add an extra century on there and we'll, we'll be on. We'll be maybe. Probably... Nah, we slowed down. I mean, mm. it did, again, we have to remind ourselves like mm. we hadn't even gone to the moon yet; we were a year off. We weren't even. Oh. There. So I mean, the idea. That okay, the I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that as nineteen sixty nine. Actually, the next. Oh yeah, wow! I mean, that yet. that just adds even an extra level of 
like foresight and and just imagination into into the possibilities. It's that's incredible. I mean, obviously, we'd been to space, like both like Americans, Russians, and you know other. Mm. We hadn't been on the moon, whereas we we hadn't been on yeah. the moon yet. So, I mean, that yeah. whole unlocking of potential mm. space. I mean, that's that mm. is really going out but i mean that, that goes down that goes back to sort of like not just kubrick but obviously mm. like clark's movie uh, clark's books and and his stories and, and things like mm. that and just one um one more thing before we move on to i guess the next chapter um when we're talking about the mission to the moon it's one of the things i, I really really liked with it was um the uh the they incorporated video calling if you remember, so like right. so, you know, we, yeah, we had yeah, our yeah. Had, yeah, like your your, your um, border patrol kind of um, you know a customs check in that you had to go through. Um, you had your uh, there was a an eye scan, no, a voice scan um, for your identification. But then you actually he called his uh, he called his little girl on her birthday, um, and then it cost him like a dollar or something to do it. So it was as if it was <laughs> they were envisioning that. You would get video calling, but it would be like a payphone kind of thing, um, which is it's just interesting. But yeah, I, I just like, lo- I like obviously long distance, long distance call. Like, yeah, it cost you. <laughs> yeah, I did write, I did write down what it was, but I, I oh, it's in my notes somewhere. Oh, there you go. Oh, the charge. If we still did the quiz, if we still did the quiz, that would definitely one hundred percent be a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got it. It was a, it was a dollar. It was a dollar seventy. So, um, but I also like some of the little some of the um, observations I had. It was a, um, a private space station, so it was the Hilton Space Stations. This was, it was written yeah, on the um, right. in the lobby, um, and I was just um, oh, and one one thing I guess this part of this mission, you know, um, Haywood like his purpose there is actually he's representing I think like the United Nations or something like that, but he briefs you know a room full of corporate people. And he's, you know, they're they're all in on something. You know, they're all they're all in on basically a hoax to try to uh, to hide the truth from the world at the point. Now, as somebody who hadn't seen the movie, and you might agree with this, I didn't know what they were referring to. So I was on, I was very much like invested in that because the way that they were talking about how um, there was an outbreak on one of the stations of a pandemic or something, um, an epidemic of unknown origin. And, you know, the people in the lobby, his Russian counterparts or something were trying to quiz him for more information and he couldn't say anything. And then he gets into the boardroom and he says, thanks very much for cooperating with the hoax. We understand, you know, that we're, we're trying to we're trying to hide this until <laughs> it's the right time. So the only thing I could think of in that moment was that at that point, I didn't think the monolith was going to appear again. So I was just going to I was just assuming that it was going to be some evidence of alien life or something like that. Um, and then it was only when they're flying out to the location of the monolith, you know, as they're approaching, they that the um, the the opera like orchestra starts again, exactly identical to, you know, with, mm. with the the, um, the dawn of man. And it was I, as soon as it started, I was like, oh wow, it, I got little goosebumps. I was like, oh, what, what's happened? It was it really got really took me along for the ride. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. It was it was brilliantly brilliantly done. And then even you know as they're in their they're in their their moon sh- suits and they're walking down the ramp down towards the monolith and they're talking about it being there for four million years. But the camera follows. It's quite you know creative camera work I think for the time. Like it follows um, 
the team as and it's as if you're on the trip with them, you know, as you're going through and you And you have no idea what the hell's going on. You have yeah, no you idea what's happening. You, but and then it, all yeah. of a sudden the monolith is there, you know, and yeah, oh, it's just brilliant. Yeah. This is real, real brilliant. I'm, I mean, like you, what I found like the experience watching this movie, right? Like I mean, I mean I again I have no idea what's sort of happening. Look, I had read sort of you know part of the synopsis or, or even if you you read the synopsis of this movie like a, a brief little outline of what it's about what mm. they focus on is the fact that um the stuff about and we'll obviously get to it like bowman mm. how the computer basically most of the summary synopsis synopsis would say something along the lines of there's a supercomputer that starts to malfunction and mm. like mm. you know dr bowman has to deal with that yeah, that's basically the gist of it. So I was expecting that to happen at some point. Mm. Um, and obviously, I, I re- recall references to like you know, like the the red light and that yeah. eye sort of thing, and and, and yeah. so I knew that was coming. But mm. I legit got to the point, like obviously after the Dawn of Man stuff, then we get to you know all this stuff like to going towards the moon, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like the movie is now starting because again, I'm more mm. you know known. Uh, yeah expecting mm. a more standard kind of movie i thought like, okay wow oh, yeah. that's a very drawn out prologue mm. but okay now the movie's starting we're going to get conversations and story mm. points and things yeah. and, a, and a problem presented and then it will lead okay oh uh, how's it all going to tie and no idea that basically what we were watching here in this sequence was mm. although connected in a way still a very very much a, a self-contained Yep. thing in its own right again mm-hmm. bigger picture yes it's all one thing but essentially what he's talking about this this fake like outbreak kind of thing mm-hmm. whatever they're sort of hiding literally nothing to do with yeah. the supercomputer thing like it, it's not a connection not... so yeah it's it's this thing happens and then mm. suddenly we you know we jump forward i can't remember the yeah. 26 years or some 16 years something like that something quite substantial i think it's and it's uh, like wow yeah something like that it, it doesn't matter it's not important but then we end up you know we're six doing months that later Joseph. we've got six months is that all it is yeah that would make yeah. sense because it is meant to all be mainly set in 2001 so that would that would check out <laughs> so can i, if I Look, say... it felt longer this movie <laughs> felt like it was 26 years <laughs> like, well, I, said, I think they had something in the years. works already but it was the signal that the monoliths let go from the moon that sent it to jupiter mm. so that gave them their that was their catalyst that was what oh like them it, along. i mean yeah like it's all yeah. linked and connected but um but it's... the um i can i can i just say i just wanted to i guess acknowledge i had a similar thought you know going into this movie the only real thing i knew about this movie was the red eye of the supercomputer like artificial intelligence so i was expecting that from the start like that was that was all i had (laughs) um but um it was so to have not like like almost two different acts you know like like we said they're chapters or or whatever before we even get to that stage um and then even then you don't see how straight like it's not immediate but it's they're introduced he's introduced as an extra cast member um you know within the first maybe the five most. minutes but it's yeah it's more they set the scene like you get them you go to, i think i think it was i think it was frank who's running around the outside like the circumference of the the ship mm. i can't remember which one of them it was but that's really it sets the scene for the first couple of minutes before you even get to see the, the computer so um yeah i just 
Yeah. Anyway, so I was well, yeah, I was very much expecting it to be more prominent from the start. So I was quite surprised yeah. when when it, it built up so much, and then it, but none of it had anything really to do with it until yeah. that third act. Yeah, and it so. really is just in that third chapter or yeah. whatnot. So we're introduced to two new characters: Doctor David Bowman, played by Keir Dulia, and Gary Lockwood plays Doctor Frank Poole. So Bowman and Poole, and and Bowman. Bowman's the main one that we that we stick with for the mm. remainder of the film essentially as you know Paul meets his unfortunate demise uh, yeah. <laughs> at the hands of at the hands of how look like this is probably I mean in terms of like an entertainment about mm. you know what you would get out of a traditional movie if someone was to just sit down and watch this chapter like this sequence mm. this whole thing like this plays very much like a little sci-fi horror film yeah, in does. itself Hmm. So, in terms of entertainment value, and what again traditionally as as a movie, hmm. movie, this is the best part. I mean, I think, a larger uh, picture. There's there's so much hmm. craft and stuff going into hmm. the other stuff, but this really does work as a as hmm. a contained sequence. Even though again yeah. it plays into the bigger picture, but just just following these two characters and hmm. you know having their conversations they're questioning things they're talking to how for reference and like the mm. delivery of of the voice of how who's played by douglas rain yeah how 9000 is the full name like there's mm. something it's it's peaceful and friendly and kind mm. and monotone in a way but also terrifying and scary especially as he gets kind of it's sociopathic. Even when he's being know. pulled apart and dying and the voice is deteriorating or mm. it's becoming something different, it's mm. it becomes even freakier. Like it's like oh, yeah. it's, it's it's a scary thing. And I guess the whole idea of, you know, a supercomputer like, you know, perfect in every way, no flaws. Mm. But at the same time it's like because it struggled so much with mm. having to defy I guess its own purpose and, and defy the humans, it it sort of mm. struggled with that and it's like that's a very yeah. human quality for it to have, which is also makes oh, it even more it terrifying I mean, that it was on that it, level. But it even has, you know, the human human qualities of um, of of anger. But then it, you know, as it's going through different states of, then it's bargaining and reasoning with them when he when the, when it realizes that, you know, it's he it's in danger, and it's then like there's begging, genuine computer grief. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, it begs while while it's being disconnected, and then um, and that's that, and then you see that that recorded message from um, from Haywood uh, explaining that they're you're on the way to go see Alien Life, which is you know, or an alien signal or something like that, which is it's interesting <laughs> it is that, that yeah, it is it is connected that way, but that yeah, yeah that no, entire no, sequence, I, I agree that it's again, it could be its own little um, you know. Little, little sci-fi horror like short story like little anthology like scene you know um it could stand alone it is brilliant the way that they build the atmosphere with that like you've got everything is everything is drawn out for realism so when they're doing a spacewalk it takes a long time and all you can hear like it's silence outside the spaceship which is so authentic but all you yes. hear is that breathing, yes. the breathing. Even when you're not, when you're not actually in the space of the person. When he's out there doing, you know, doing the, the um, you know, the, the spacewalk or whatever, 
there's just no audio. There's no music. There's nothing. It's just his breathing, and then it intensifies as he's getting closer yeah. to something, and then it slows down, and it intensifies. And it's it's such a so well made. Like it yeah. really puts you in there. Like as as we yeah well as, as you should probably know in the vacuum of space, like there is no sound, can't mm. hear anything. A lot of sci-fi movies will have audio yeah. sound effects mm. because visual you know audio cues mm. for us you know, stimulated we, we can enjoy what we're watching mm. in a better but this just creates again like that eeriness the the scariness mm. of space the danger there mm. and again like you said like you just hear the breeze it's what you know like say when paul's outside it's what he's hearing it's yeah. just the sound of his own voice mm. or his own breathing nothing else it really puts you in there yeah. And again, that that conscious choice to not have any music playing over certain mm. scenes like that, it, it just really, it just lets you feel the visuals. Yeah, absolutely. Which again, is something that I guess like a generic sci-fi movie or even just gen- generic films like wouldn't do. They yeah. wouldn't give the audience credit enough. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's something to be said there because people are walking out, but <laughs> the movie doesn't. The film doesn't give the audience credit enough to just be like, "Hey, trust me." This scene is about what you're seeing and experience yeah. that. You don't need the atmosphere is being created by, by other, yeah. other other means, you know. And like like when Hal like commandeers the um the rover or whatever, and he knocks he knocks um is it it's Frank he knocks like kills, isn't it? Is it Frank or David? Yeah, so Frank Paul. Yes, yeah. Frank. No, like Frank that, Paul and David Bowman is who we stick with. That's right. So Frank, when Frank dies, like it's all silent as well. Like there's no, exactly like you said, you know, you would find in most movies, most conventional ways, correct, yeah, but you would hear like (laughs) a clang, a bang, a crash or something as the spaceship runs into him, but you don't. And Because that there wouldn't be that There there wouldn't be. There's nothing there. And, oh, it's just it was so just pure and horrific watching him as well because you see him, his body wiggling, and you can see his hose is sticking out yeah. from the back of his head. So you know that he's he's a goner, but he doesn't die straight away. He dies slowly, you know, and that entire thing is captured. There's no cutting to somewhere else. It's you're there the way that the way that it's crafted and edited is you're there watching that. And then then you you're with Bowman and then he's trying to like recover the body. And it just takes so it's drawing it out like it's painfully slow mm. but painfully real you know oh it's just it's Do brilliant you know, um yeah. speaking of just things just like not you know no action no you know, there's not much happening one of the mm. i think one of the best and also ter- most terrifying scenes is when you've got bowman and paul when they they're like hey come uh i want to show you something in the in the escape oh, yeah. and they're in there and they're having that conversation and they're mm. like do you think he can hear us? And mm. they're, they're literally just breaking down, like, okay, what do we do? Like, what? we have mm. suspicions that this thing is going bonkers. Yeah. Mm. Just like listening to them having that conversation and then yeah. it cutting to Hal's point of view, looking in. Yeah. He can't hear them, but he, you know, he can obviously see them mouthing yeah. words. And it's just, mm. that's scary. I'm like, can he understand? Can he read lips? Yeah. Does he know what they're saying? Oh my God. I'm like, get out of there. Well, like, and then, and then it's revealed terrifying. That, he, that he could. And then he's cold, this heartless witness where he's, he's locked, he's locked Bowman in, in the, um, in the, uh, the little, the drop ship. 
and he just says, we don't have any purpose to talk anymore. Like we're done. Goodbye. Mm. And just cuts it off. It's just unemotional. It's so cold. And, oh. But like, they, hey, the, the sequence where like, you know, Bowman's unplugging him and taking out one, one bit of a time, but one bit of like mm. memory or brain, you know, compartment at a time. And yeah, yeah. It's that deteriorating voice. Mm. It's like, oh, you know, it's kind of, heartbreaking in a way but also well, just, he's like yeah i'm scared again I'm scared. It's, it's creepy dave, yeah, like, I'm scared. dave don't do it dave i'm scared and it's it's so just like a cold bland voice mm. please dave stop i'm in pain like it's like oh my god stop it yeah i don't understand oh. what it <laughs> oh it's, cr- it's crazy it's weird get... it's it's and it... yeah it's just so simple. It's such a simple. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say it's simple, but it. I mean, no, no. It you is, know, we're it's... so used to just crazy, bombastic. You mm. know, a thousand things happening on screen at once, and it's just these sequences where it's just essentially on paper very little is happening, but at the same mm. time, so much. There's so much mm. volume to. Well, it's just. I guess it's just it. testament to to Kubrick in a way where you he's able to communicate so much with so little. <laughs> it's just so. It's, it does, it, it, in a way, you know, with the level of realism and stuff, it does put a little bit of credence to the um, the, the moon uh, hoax, the, you know, whatever that I mean, conspiracy like, theory is. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I'm convinced already that this shit was real. <laughs> so, I tell you, the stuff, so, the stuff that you see in this movie looks way more real than the moon landing footage. But maybe that yeah. gives credit to the moon landing footage. Maybe. It's like, oh, well, that was real and it's hard to film and broadcast. And all that. Anyway. All right. Mm. So, look, that all aside, that's like, how terrifying. We get, we get that. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. We've got Bowman left. Now, mm-hmm. boom, the fourth chapter. Um, look, I'm going to admit. This is not the strongest I just don't one. know. Yeah. Well, I don't know what's going on. I mean, you know, like, you got the whole psychedelic, like, yeah. I'm going through this journey, and it, it almost feels like, are we watching Willy Wonka? Is this Doctor Strange? Like, there's a lot of crazy shit happening. Lots of I wrote, lights. I wrote down um, on my notes that it was very <laughs> I don't know um, Wonka, Wonka-esque, like, um, that that you know the, like the Wonka the, tunnel, the tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, uh, is who's on drugs right now? This is crazy. Oh, um, I was waiting for like. Yeah, Slugworth and a you know a head chicken to get its head chopped off like whilst Bowman was going mm. through that little. The um, uh, and I, is I, it and raining? Honestly, is I don't it know. Snowing? I don't. Uh, I don't quite knows. know what's going on there either. Right. So. So well, yeah, okay. he's going through like space a, and, time. A, a and a space and time, a black hole, a portal, a, a wormhole, a vortex, it, a mm. some sort of interdimensional thing mm. like whatever what is happening he's going through some sort of passage he is traveling mm. and it's getting freaky like he's he's in deep mm. space and something is happening that is sending him to yeah. where he ends up i have i have Which, a confession if it's all right jace if it's you fell okay. asleep it's okay <laughs> no definitely didn't fall asleep because this was bonkers but i i actually think it went on a little bit too long and i actually fast forwarded a little bit so it was it got, a, it got a little bit repetitive and so i just got my little playstation controller with my binge account <laughs> and i just went tick a little bit and it jumped 10 seconds and it jumped another 10 seconds i mean look and... i'll tell you what with the with the traveling through this vortex sequence right yeah you're right like it does go on but all right i'll, I'll give the scene the credit mm. that it, it might do that as you watch it mm. what actually happens is that the cuts between 
I guess, Bowman's, I guess, normal, you know, hey, I'm traveling through this thing kind of face, and then cuts to him making like this really weird, it's like a still frame of him making a really weird expression. Yes. Yeah. That keeps happening, and and that keeps happening. It like contracts, like it becomes quicker, the, the cuts. Yeah, okay. And I, I, I it's kind of seeing that. It's kind of horrifying. Like, it's, it's a, I think it just is. visually, it's, it's, it's very unnerving. It's, it's mm. not a comfortable sort of sequence of things. There's lots of flashing lights and stuff, and, and it just keeps cutting to that. And it's sort of like, again, like, well, you got what this, is you've, happening? You've got like, this organic, organic kind of like flow of, of light and color. And then, yeah, you get the, cane, the cuts of, quick cuts of like pained expressions or shock or fear and yeah. stuff like that. Mm. And, but then you, and then it molds into, not molds, melds into like an iris of his eye, which is, yeah, then that's flicking between different colors and things. And then ultimately what happens is it trans that eye then, I guess, just refocuses to a normal human colored eye. And then you zoom out and you see and then... he's in a room and he's in his spacesuit, and he's got a few wrinkles on his face, so he's a bit older already. So time has passed well, yeah, already. He, he's looking in that mirror. Well, he's looking in that mirror, and it's like he starts to age like rapidly. Like it, yeah, it's like so. Was that the vortex, or is that the result of the room he's in? Like he ends up in that bathroom, and I swear, because I was like, which one came out first? I was like, oh my god, has he just entered like the Outlook Hotel? or the overlook hotel i should say whoops <laughs> from the shining like i'm like what is happening there's a yeah. bathroom that's that's um yeah I, I honestly it's i i didn't think of it that way because i don't think i've well, actually if i think of it i don't think i've watched the shining for like in, in oh its entirety God. so so you're saying I know you don't like horror movies but the shining mm. watch the shining it's not it's not your traditional kind of horror it's it's the best. <laughs> best. <laughs> I'll um I'll add it to the infinite list of, of movies that continues to grow, Jason. Sure, movies sure. that um, <laughs> I'll just file it in the the the, uh, the column that's we'll watch when I'm made to watch. So that could very well mean required. <laughs> so our for next a, review an episode. Uh, <laughs> <the shiny. laughs> um, one, so one thing about this sequence, so uh, um the. So after the um the psychedelic element and you and you're in this this very bland regal almost, I guess that was what how I would label it, like it's it's like a monotone regal, like hotel room really, um or, or whatever. It's a, it's a very unique like I I basically lost it at this point. This this part of the movie I was <laughs> confused. Like, what is happening? I didn't quite understand what I was being communicated really, right? And to like so when I when he, he's in his space suit and then he's in the mirror and then all of a sudden he's watching himself eat food and then you turn or he turns around the person who's eating the food turns around which is him as an old man and looks behind him as if he's going to see his younger version of himself and then all of a sudden it's just him it's it's very yeah. strange and then that cuts to somebody the old man who's eating his food turning around to a really old man in a bed and then all of a sudden the person eating food is then disappear disappears as well and i I didn't quite understand I've thought about it since then and I understand that they're communicating that he's living his life like the space and time are a bit confusing in this room and he's living a life in there. He's going from, you know, young to old 
and it's like he's it's like he's in a like an ant farm like an experiment he's he's basically in a zoo that's where i right. that's what i got out of it and then when it when it reaches the the pinnacle like the uh the climax of that scene where he's on his deathbed and all of a sudden the monolith appears and to me that was that's the end of the experiment for them which then progresses to them creating the star child and taking it back to earth for whatever reason or what end, which I think is left intentionally ambiguous in that sense. Yeah. Look, I mean, I can't even say you, you nailed it or yes, summarized it. Well, I'm, I'm not too sure. <laughs> well, to be honest, like, yeah, it's too bloody hard. It, we it's just da- don't know what's going on. It's daunting. Hmm. It's daunting. You've got, you know, like you, suddenly you're in this weird neoclassical, like you said, hotel room kind of building. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a human kind of structure that we're in. But mm. then, you know, like, is it is it just time is weird? Is that is that Bowman that we're seeing in the bed? Like, as an old man, is it him? Is it someone else? Is there, you know, mm. like, is this a doorway portal back to Earth, vice versa, or whatever? Who knows? I have no idea. I literally have no answers. This is the first time I'm sitting here like trying to interpret something, being like, I have mm. no effing idea what this sequence is about. And apparently I don't think the internet knows either. Because I look it up and <laughs> sure. I mean... Apparently it does. <laughs> look, movie podcast, movie podcast, not a book class, not a book class. <laughs> <laughs> True. True story. That's so... our, that's gonna be our new tagline. Uh, <laughs> just rerun and review <laughs> that film shoot, all of that. You just a movie podcast, not a book club. Um, yeah, look, I when gotcha. the when the when the movie pretty much comes to its end, and mm. there's this creation, or is it Bowman's evolution into, or is it a cycle thing mm. where he's reverted back to an infant thing, but now he has like alien, big alien eyes, kind of like, mm. what does it all mean? Is it a positive thing? Is it, you know, like, is it a celebration of hey, like? Mm. new life a higher life form the next evolutionary step this is the beginning of all of that or is it uh an ominous you know warning of you know this this alien being is overlooking mm. earth is it a lovely thing a wonderful thing or is it a terrifying destructive god-like angelic creature that's going to kill us all I... bring our doom and end <laughs> who the hell i mean i, I honestly I... don't know I honestly interpret it kind of like what you were saying there a little bit is it's you've got the next step of evolution. Dave is the next step of evolution as this new infant. Basically, he's reborn, he's reincarnated, he's he's created by them, um, and by them the monolith in this by the so Kubrick's original. I was saying at the top there, Kubrick's original idea was to have this particular scene, not a monolith, but aliens. And he tried it and he just couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. It's justice. And so he stuck with the monolith idea as basically every time you see the monolith throughout the movie, it is an interpretation of a higher being that is absolute, that it is beyond our comprehension. And so he didn't see any reason why the being that had to be standing at the end of the bed to finish while Dave was passing away or whatever, he didn't see that needing at the end of it all to didn't need to be a um a different figure because the monolith still communicated that absolute power or that absolute um omnipresence. Mm. 
Now, my interpretation, as you know, with all the different chapters, is that the monolith or the presence of this thing brings on the next stage of evolution or facilitates the next stage of um, uh, enlightenment. So, my interpretation is is the baby is just the next stage of human development, whatever that human development is. It's the next step. Am I am I right? I have no fucking idea <laughs> because I wrote down in my notes. <laughs> I wrote. I have no idea what is going on at this point. So I mean, not in a bad way, in an utter thought-provoking way. That's what it is. Just profound is what I wrote down. So and profound. That's, I mean, look, honestly, that's what it, that's what's exciting. You know, like, like we can either take it two ways. We can look at this fourth chapter and go, mm. oh, okay, this movie just lost its shit, lost its way. Uh, what's mm-hmm. going to happen? Whatever. Or we can look at it and go, okay, look, I don't know what just happened. I don't know what I just watched. Mm. But, you know, I'm thinking about stuff. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk through it. Let's work out. Yeah. I don't think we've clearly worked out anything, but, (laughs) you know, look, it's interesting and it's fun to talk. And, hey, look, people have been talking about this movie for 55 years. And, again, the internet does not have the answers. I don't – I mean, I, I should probably deep dive even further, but just generally I'm like there's no real clear answer. It's still very ambiguous. There's, there's contradicting and, um, mm. you know, conflicting ideas and thoughts and theories on yeah. all of this. Mm. So, but look, I mean, besides mm. theorizing ourselves endlessly, yeah. you know, um, beyond <laughs> the infinite, um, <laughs> I think that's probably all we could probably say about I the think movie, so except too. our final thoughts, unless so you've got too. anything, anything else or, no, look, all that's, right. that's, that's, let's that's about do, all I've got. Yeah. Let's Go do on. what we always do. Let's rate this movie out of five VHS tapes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you can go first if you like, Jason. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I host and then I invite you to. I, I'll, go. <laughs> I'll go first then. Like, okay. What I have to say, like, so when, when I was watching this, right, um, Somebody somebody came in and like, interrupted me in the first couple of minutes or maybe the first 20, 30 minutes and I turned around to them and I said, oh, my God, have you seen this movie? This movie is blowing my mind. <laughs> it is incredible what this movie is doing to me. And I felt that way the whole way through, but I really like the, the pacing of it pretty much up until the fourth chapter. But the other, like the fact that it was broken into different chapters that – with their own standalone little story on this journey that we we're going on, I just thought it was a really beautiful way of communicating it. So unique. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of that kind of style of filmmaking since then. I I can't think of any other way that they've really done anyone done something like this before in this way, like it is in a true, profound, creative way. But anyway, I I have got this amazing respect for this film. I do have to say that I think the, the the sequence of time traveling and space traveling and all of that may have been going a little too far, maybe then, maybe now, I'm not sure, but I think it might have been just pushing the boundaries a little bit. But overall, like this movie, even with that and a confusing fourth act or whatever, it's a five out of five for me. Like, uh, there is no way I would not recommend this movie to anybody. Like, 
it's not going to be for everyone, as we've seen people walking out and everything like that. But this movie, I, I, I just had an experience that I haven't had for a very long time. So it's a five out of five. It's a, it's a beautiful experience. Go watch this bloody movie, people. Go watch it again. There it is. There it is. What do you reckon? Right. I mean, look, uh, in terms of in terms of utter craft, filmmaking, ability, um, movie magic, all those sorts of wonderful things, this movie mm-hmm. does it. It's, it's there. But again, like experience-wise, it, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Like this is not... This is not a movie where it's like, hey, I'm here to be entertained. And hey, look, there are entertaining things in mm. this film. And I guess it, it depends what type of frame of mind you're in, what yeah. you're after in a, a film, you know, like story, characters. I mean, on a fun- fundamental level, you're probably not going to get much of that mm. in the traditional sense. There are still There is still a story being told here. There's yeah. a message. There's something to say. There are characters that do things, but there's no mm. real journey. Again, in the traditional, yeah. hey, there's an arc for these characters. It's it's something different. Um, and again, mm. a lot of what's on display is, um, like artistic. It's mm. it's again, I use those words: poetic, operatic, just visually. Mm. This movie is a is a visual piece yeah. and that's mm. what you're getting and again there are bits in it that are like hey that's that's fun that's kind of entertaining that's mm. but again not in the traditional sense except maybe chapter three where it's like hey look, this is this is yeah. wacky i'm familiar with this kind of feeling yeah absolutely yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna ping this movie this film only a little bit purely for the fact that this doesn't play as like i mean rewatch value depending on who you are but I mean, I couldn't see myself watching this, you know, like five, ten, fifteen yeah. more times. Like, and, mm. and that's that's a big ask for me. But mm. I've watched it. I'll revisit it. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure that'll be an experience. It is an experience. Yeah, and the filmmaking is superb. Mm. But I mean, entertainment-wise, as a film, as a piece of, hey, I want to watch a movie. Like, this isn't mm. that. And I guess. That's not the intentions of this. And it's probably unfair for me mm. to ping it, but I'm only pinging it just minor for that. And that's because yeah. I'm an asshole. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll do it. So You're 4. an asshole, 5. Jason. Oh, God. Now he's after me. 4.5. 4.5. And, and maybe, look, maybe part of it is the ambiguous, strange fourth chapter that is like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Everything did kind of make some sort of sense, but. Look, mm. 4.5 is still fantastic, Mark, so don't write letters. Oh, like, yeah, this yes. is a fantastic film, nonetheless. Mm. Um, it and certainly again, is. It deserves to be on that list of watch this before you die. Like, this is yeah. one of those, make sure you experience this movie. Like, oh, my God, we mm. revisit old films. Mm. This is one where it's like, I, <laughs> this is worth watching, talking about. All of that. So it's definitely worth your right. time. Definitely worth your time. We've done it. That was our review. Ah, oh, and it's a long movie. Yeah, it's a long movie. So you make time <laughs> for it. That was a rewind to 1968, 2001, A Space Odyssey. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rewind and Review. Uh, make sure you subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, uh, or wherever you can find us. And feel free to leave us a review. 
and follow us on social media. We're on <laughs> Facebook as Rewind and Review Podcast and Twitter and Instagram as That Film Studio Podcast. Yeah, if you haven't already, check out our other shows, um, That Film Studio and Sounds Like Comics. Each of those shows also have their own Facebook pages. Thank you for listening. This has been another crazy <laughs> rewind and review. Um, see you on our next trip. See ya. Do-do-do-do. <laughs>